0: coffee talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee and I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. Let's dig in a little bit today about how we get to where we want to be. We hear a lot about signs and wonders. We hear a lot about the glory of God. What we don't tend to focus on is how do we get there? Yes, God can just show up in a moment. Absolutely. His glory can overtake a place. Absolutely. But why? does God's presence show up in a moment? Why does his glory overtake a place? Because he's responding to something, and that is our hearts. He's responding to our hearts individually, and he's responding to our hearts corporately. And that's a truth. We, as the body of Christ, really need to absorb into our hearts. And so, when I think about the glory of God, when I think about God's presence, of course you can go to the Old Testament if you want and you can talk about how they had uh, the Israelites, a cloud covering them by day, protecting them, a pillar of fire by night. We haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. We might have it momentarily. You know. Then, then we can go to um, when Jesus was walking the earth, and all, of course, the miracles he did. And we can say, oh, well, that, he, that was Jesus. He's the son of God. But he told us that greater than these would we do. And we have small glimpses of them here and there. And sometimes I think we have something small, just a little, and really truthfully, I believe it's just God just giving us a glimmer to make us more hungry. It's kind of like the appetizer of the menu, but we satisfy, we're satisfied with the appetizer as it's the full course meal. And God's like, that was just the appetizer. But you're acting like you're all full. Now that's some truth right there. We get full on the appetizer when God has so much more? Why aren't we seeing the more, the more of what God has? Why isn't our shadow healing like Peter's shadow? That's new covenant. That's after Jesus died and rose again and ascended. So that's, if it was for Peter, it's for us. It's not just, oh, that was back in their day. No, it's for today. Today is from the moment Jesus ascended till the moment he returns. That's today. That's for all of us. Whatever the disciples did, we can do. Silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That's for us. That's for today. But are we gonna do what the disciples did to be empowered at that level? Are we willing? Will we crucify ourselves like Jesus crucified himself to the capacity that really now it's only God alive in us, God moving in us, and our self doesn't have control over us anymore. Our flesh doesn't rise up anymore. We're about the Father's business, just like Jesus is. The word says we can do all things through Christ who has strengthened us. So let's do it. That's not just for our advantage. That's just not for us to make ourselves better. So for us as the believers in the today, which remember the today is from when Jesus ascended until Jesus returns. So in that today, we got to look at the book of Acts and you got to love the title. They acted, they acted on it. They acted on it. First of all, they did what Jesus said to do. Then they moved in what they were empowered to do all the while remaining in unity with one another. And that's key right there. That's some big keys right there. They acted in the book of Acts on what Jesus told them to do. Then they acted through their actions. They went out and they did what they were empowered to do. That's powerful. And they did it in unity. So really it comes down to obedience, action, and unity. That's where the signs and wonders come out on a regular basis. Not just a little dab will do you. Let's not settle for the appetizer in this season. That's so good. I mean, who goes to a restaurant for dinner, hungry, and they bring out the appetizer, and then you're like, oh, I'm good. No, God has a full course meal and a dessert. (laughs) <laughs> let's make sure we, ha- we receive, we gather together and receive as a group all that God has for all that he's putting on the table. So the book of Acts, it's a great, especially, you know, the first, the first few chapters are a great encouragement to us of how do we see revival? Like you don't, you don't hear the word revival in the book of Acts, they just got together in obedience. They were unified and they were empowered and they went out. Where could we call that revival? Because the dead things of that day are now being revived. That's what we desire. But are we willing to be self-sacrificial to truly have it? Are we wanting it and we give together for a couple hours and we pray and contend for it and then we're we're ready to go home and put up our feet and be comfortable? and pour into ourself, our flesh. To me, the biggest point of the book of Acts is that it is an encouragement for us. It, like, it, it pumps us up. You want to get pumped up in the Lord? Read the book of Acts. It pumps us up to be a witness for Christ wherever he sends us. Don't wait to be a witness for Christ down the road. Wherever he has you now, if you've got Christ in you, be a witness for him. Testify of him. That was the holy, whole point of the Holy Spirit coming. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will testify of me. I mean, the book of Acts is the true birthing of the Christian church. And of course, it's what I would call continual. You know, it, it, not that we add to the books of the Bible, we don't, Revelation one's against that. But the book of Acts in the eyes of God is still being written as long as we're still acting on his behalf. It's the unfinished book and we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it, that's so awesome. We really could refer to it instead as Acts of the Holy Spirit or the book of the Holy Spirit in one sense. If we yield as the disciples did, as we'll see in the first couple chapters of the book of Acts, we'll be empowered, filled, anointed and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We will fulfill God's purpose here on earth. Those are the men and women God uses. When you look at somebody else and you're like, well, why is God using them and not me? You know, why are they anointed and not me? They're not anointed and you're not. God knows the plans he has for each one of us. If we're here, we have purpose. Will we fulfill it? That's up to us. Are we willing to be obedient and yielded so we can be empowered and filled and overflowing and then pouring out, fulfilling God's purpose here on earth. I mean, in the book of Acts, we see miracles. We see consistent answer to prayer. We see signs and wonders and deliverances. We see the manifestation of God doing only what God can do. That's powerful right there. We see the manifestation of God doing what only God can do. Through us, that's the awesome thing. Only God can do it, but he needs that vessel to do it through. He needs the willing vessel to be yielded and say, here I am, use me and let him really use you. It's all this in the book of Acts, the miracles, the answers to prayer, the signs and wonders, the deliverances, It's available today. Remember, we're still in that today. And it will come through the truly yielded ones in every nook and cranny of their heart. He is still the God of acts. Truthfully, it's the people that are acting differently. (laughs) He hasn't changed from that day. He hasn't changed from that moment in the upper room. He hasn't changed since then. God hasn't changed since then. We have changed since then. Our level of sacrifice has changed since then. Our level of unity has changed since then. We get our feathers ruffled one little time and we're done. Somebody fails us one time and we're done. They didn't do what we thought they should do. That's disunity. We expect perfection from people. No, we got to look at one another and choose to love one another regardless. You know, I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. I'm sure I've made my handful of mistakes, both hands. (laughs) I'm not. If I have to live up to a level of perfection to be loved by you, then I can't maintain that. You know, a lot of times I think we look at we're a lot more harsh on others than we are ourselves. If we could be as forgiving to others as we are to ourselves, as if we could overlook things in others or justify things in others as we do ourselves, there probably would be a lot more unity, a lot more covenant remaining. Like, do we really, you know, we treat family like family. Like family can do anything to us, really. And there's still that love there. And then there's the other people. They're not really family. So one time and you're out, or a few times and you're out, whatever it is, but eventually you're out. You gotta meet my criteria to work your way back in. Imagine if God worked that way. I mean, no, it was all we gotta do is repent, repent from our hearts and change our ways, that's it. God's not like saying do five jumping jacks, run three miles, do two twirls at the end, and drop to your knees and then maybe I'll let you back into fellowship with me, no. We say I'm sorry, he says you're forgiven. I love you and he embraces us. That's unity. That's the kind of unity we need between one another if we want the miracles, the answers to prayer and the signs and the wonders and the deliverances. He's still the God of acts. It's his people that are acting differently. You know, Jesus so we're so go to uh, Acts chapter 1 and that Jesus is still here on earth in in this portion of it. So Jesus in in the first verse, I guess I should have gotten there before I before I started talking, but let me jump over to it. You know, Jesus started doing some teaching here that he began to do and teach. You know, he left instructions basically in in that verse one. And I'm gonna go to it in the in the New King James in the former account. Thephilus, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, I made a report of all that Jesus began both, began both to do and teach, all that he began to do and teach, implying that this was only the beginning of all God wanted to reveal to us. It's all that Jesus began to do and teach. There's a lot more that's revelation to come about his character, about his nature, and it continues through us today. Jesus began it. We're the transition period until he comes back and finishes it. And he leaves instructions. He leaves instructions for the apostles in verse two. It says, just before he ascended into heaven, he left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. I and mean, that's kind of intense right there. He chose them by the Holy Spirit. His leaders, his, these were the ones that were gonna birth the new church. How did he choose them? By the Holy Spirit. Maybe leadership should be chosen by the Holy Spirit. How many misplacements can there be now in the churches because leadership wasn't chosen by the Holy Spirit? But yet we want God to move on our choices. See, that's some of the stuff. That's some of the yielding we have to do. What if it's not the one you wanted? What if God's like, no, I want that one? He had chosen them by the Holy Spirit. After the sufferings of this cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these apostles over a 40-day period, right? 40 is the number for transformation and completeness through testing, by the way. It's used a lot in the Bible if you want to study it out. Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs. And you know what? The truth of the many convincing, by the way. They're not listed here. Must be. I can't even imagine how big the Bible would be if all the many signs over those 40 days were in biblically written down in scripture. But the world's still waiting on that from us. Do we have spiritual fruit? Do we have spiritual power that's brought transformation and completeness to others through our lives? First in our own life, in our own seed, in our own fruit, then through our lives. During these encounters, during this time, in verse three, it says he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. And Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, <laughs> which we have hindsight of that, right? What do you think of when you hear the word few? Two? Maybe we're pushing it to three. Certainly not 10? A few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, in the fire of God. But wait here, right? That's what it says. But wait here for the promise I have for you. Don't leave here. What does it mean, wait here? To wait. If Jesus is telling us to wait for something, that means it's worth waiting for. If Jesus tells us to wait for it, that means it's worth waiting for it means they're going to have to receive it. They can't create it themselves. They have to wait on someone else to bring it to them and receive it. And it means you're going to be tested in the waiting. They don't know this, but we know this looking back. At least a little. Have you ever been tested in your waiting? Have you ever had a waiting season with God? I don't, I don't know anybody that hasn't actually. Wait on it. That doesn't mean don't do anything, by the way, but wait on the promise. Wait on what God told you. Do what God said until what he said showing up shows up. What did they do? They went to the upper room. They were obedient to what God said. They did not leave Jerusalem. And I don't want you to miss this little phrase here in verse four, until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised, the promise of the Father. It's the promise of the father, what does that mean? What is a promise of a father? I mean, that's, that's a, a heavy-hitting sentence right there. A father, now not some of the examples we see in our lives, but how a father's supposed to be. This supposed to be reliable. A father is supposed to be reliable. A father is supposed to be for all his children. A father is not supposed to have favorites. So this promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, if he said it's coming, it's coming because he's reliable. And if it's from the Father, it's for all the children because that's how a father functions. He does for all his children, right? And in verse five, for John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Spirit. And you know, I had a picture of this that's really powerful you'll be baptized in the spirit, right? So think about a water baptism because he uses John the Baptist as an example here, right? And so he's given them a visual picture when he says, for John baptized you in water. John baptized you in water. And a few days from now, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when, he, when Jesus is saying this to them, they're having a visual in their mind of Jesus, John the Baptist being at the river, completely dunking people under the water and bringing them up. So they have that picture in their mind. And then he says, now you're going to be baptized like that and hold the Holy Spirit. So he's kind of, te- well, he's not kind of, he is telling them. He's telling them, this is my paraphrasing of it, you are going to be completely immersed and covered in something. Just as John the Baptist did with water You're going to be that way in the fire of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be saturated in the Holy Spirit from head to toe, dunked under, covered in the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful visual if we can think of it that way. And you know, in verse six, it's like every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, is now the time for you to free Israel and restore? They had such a different picture. Their picture was off base for sure. And this had been asked many times before. But now it makes sense that they're asking now because now Jesus has been crucified. Now Jesus has risen from the dead. Now Jesus is walking around the earth performing many miracles over a 40 day period. So now they ask, is now the time? And this is when he gives them an answer and this is his final teaching to them. His final teaching. And we know final words are important. So we should take heed to these words of the final teaching. He says in verse seven, the father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. Verse eight, but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. And this is something that the apostles knew about Jesus. What he did, he, what he said, he did. Everything they saw him say, every action that was spoken out of his mouth, they saw it take place. So they knew if Jesus was saying, but I promise you this, that's what they stood on, right? Remember he said in a few days, Wait here for the gift, the Holy Spirit of the Father in a few days. So when it went beyond a few days, they remembered verse eight. They remembered Jesus saying, maybe they had to remind each other, but I promise you this. They're like, no, Jesus said, and we've known him to be faithful. We've known him to perform his word. We've never seen him not. There was, Jesus didn't give room for doubt. And the truth is for us, we want to know the times a lot, right? We want to know. We want to know everything truthfully. We want to know what's going on. We want to know what this time, that time, when's this going to take place, but we're just not permitted to know. It's not for us to know. We know what we need to know, just like when we have young kids. They can't handle everything we know. We 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 talk to them and teach them in age-appropriate levels. Otherwise, they can't handle it. They don't understand. Imagine, and this is something to consider. Imagine if Jesus had told them then, when they were asking, when they were like, uh, is it time now, Lord? Is it time now for you? Is it time for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Imagine if, he, if Jesus had said to them, oh, oh, the restoration you're looking for, that's not gonna happen for another 2,000 years. That's not gonna happen for a long time. But how discouraging would that have been? they probably all would have packed their bags and gone home, never received the Holy Spirit and just gone back to their lives before Jesus ever showed up in their lives because it would have been overwhelmingly discouraging. Instead, he encourages them with a promise. Oh, I promise you this, it's not for you to know because actually you can't handle knowing, but I promise you the Holy Spirit's coming. He actually didn't even answer the question. He never said an answer for the freeing of Israel and the restoring of the kingdom. He just said, I promise you the Holy Spirit's coming upon you and you're going you're to receive power. As a matter of fact, it says in verse eight, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. Seized. I mean, that's like grabbed, snatched, clutched, taken decisively by the Holy Spirit, not against your will, but at your intense level of willingness because I told you a few days, but you're actually going to have to wait 10 days. I just can't even imagine all that went on in that upper room in 10 days' time. They had to push through some stuff. I promise you this, at the end of those 10 days, their hearts were pure in themselves before the Lord and their hearts towards one another were, were pure. The little nuances were set aside. That's when that sudden wind came in. It was like God blew a trumpet on the throne. And this is not scriptural. This is just my visual. The moment the hearts, they had a pure heart in themselves and a pure heart towards one another, that mighty rushing wind. In that moment, God said, now go. And it came blasting through the windows and a crushing sound. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. You will have an ability you didn't have. You will have strength you didn't have. You will have might you didn't have. You will have a boldness you didn't have. And then what? You will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even to the remotest places on earth, a natural response of receiving the Holy Spirit, which we have to, we have to get there through obedience and action in unity. And we're going to dig into more of that. But a natural response of having an indwelling, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Like a saturation, a drenching, an immersing of the Holy Spirit. Is that we become his witnesses in all aspects of our lives, in all aspects. So this, I'm going to close with this today. It's interesting the places that Jesus listed we would be messengers to Jerusalem, which was where Jesus was executed, crucified at the word of an angry mob. Right? No, crucify him, kill him. So. Jesus is saying, I want you to go back to that place that crucified me. And I want you to be my messenger there in that place. Judea totally rejected his ministry, totally rejected it. I want you to go there and be my messenger. Samaria, which truthfully, I mean, if you study it out, that was regarded as a wasteland of people. We would call today biracial, two different races, three to whatever, however many. That's how they viewed Samaria. I mean, we think racism is strong today. Oh, we go back to that time. They didn't even speak to each other. They didn't even look at each other. You know, racism and racial issues is nothing new. It goes all the way back. Like you're gonna go through Samaria, really? That's why you you hear the story about the good Samaritan. Like it was so rare that there would be a good one. They called him the good Samaritan. So anyhow, it was a place that was disregarded as low life in that day. Then he says, in the uttermost parts of the earth, that's the Gentiles. That's actually most of us listening. We were seen as nothing more than truthfully fuel to the fire of hell. We were no good, no good. And Jesus would show them the Gentiles are just as deserving as the Jewish and I'm going to have apostles appointed just to the Gentiles and just to the Israelites because you're all my children and I'm a good father. That's some good stuff. God wanted a witness sent to all of these places for all of these people And the Holy Spirit would be the one that would empower them to do this work because God desires all to be saved and restored.